that's something we all should be doing more of, praising the Lord. Because He is the source of help we all need, and He's happy to help us. He loves everyone. And we can come together to encourage one another in that love. And, uh, you know, uh, Jesus said, Am I loud enough? Can you hear me? Check back there. Uh, Jesus said that uh, to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, and our neighbor as ourselves, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. But when Jesus came, he disappointed most of the people. They were, they were waiting, they were looking for the promise of the Savior that is going to set them free from the bondage of the Roman rule. That's what they were looking for. And it was hard for them to grasp that now here is Jesus, and when is he going to do this? And you know, he continued his ministry, he can, and when, he, when, the, when things started, John the Baptist appeared, and he said, I'll read that in, in Matthew. In chapter 3 of Matthew, it says in verse 1, And in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, you know, we can think about what went through the people's heart and mind hearing these words. What excitement did it bring? And what was their, like I said, their hope was that Jesus, God is sending one to, to liberate them from bondage and the rule of the Romans and to set up his kingdom here. But he said, and I was looking for it, but I, at another place, he said that, don't say lo here or lo there, but the kingdom of God is within you. Uh, and that it's like uh, the wind. You can't say, you can't see the wind, but you can see what it does. Now, isn't that what God is expecting to happen with, in us? Uh, you can't say, oh, here, here is God's kingdom, or there is God's kingdom, but it's within those who have been cleansed from the blood, by the blood of Jesus, and have been renewed by the Holy Spirit to start a new life. To live a different life because new interests, new desires have come in. And, and we can now embrace God's Word where before uh, it was, oh, do I have to do that? Do I, I can't do all this. 
this is too much. God expects too much of us. Now, we begin to love God's laws. And uh, in Romans 8, it says that uh, I'll turn to that. It calls it verse 2 for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 7 talks of, uh, shares about the struggle a man has with the law. I want to do it, I want to be obedient, but I just seem to be taken captive uh, by my flesh. I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin. And when Jesus stood before Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. You know, right up until, what is uh, Matthew 24, uh, the disciples asked Jesus when this is going to happen. They still thought. In verse 3 of 24, Matthew 24, the second part of the verse, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and so on. I'm thankful for my personal experience of when I when I became broken before God and call on Jesus to come into my life and save me and give me understanding what his will is that he was faithful to do that he, he forgave me and he gave me grace to believe that he, he can say I'll forgive you if you confess your sins but if we don't believe it we don't benefit. We have to believe. We have to trust. We have to move forward in that faith, just like it says in uh, Colossians chapter 2. No, sorry, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. can find. Verse 21 I, I want to read. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have he reconciled. It's so wonderful to experience that reconciliation. It's like we were so weighed down with our sin and our, our uh, depravity and the weight of sin just 
<laughs> maybe we've been taught about Jesus from child up, about the, uh, the Savior of the world. And we want to be good. Our parents taught us to be good, to be obedient. But we come to a point, we come to a point where it just isn't working for us. And we're weighed down. That's what my experience was. There was a time I was like kind of angry with God. You expect me to be obedient and to keep, keep the law and all this, but I can't. And now I will be condemned. That's what I felt like. That's what man feels like when we don't, when we haven't surrendered our life to God and get liberated. But now we're reconciled, it says. And it says, in the body of his flesh through death, he present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. What we wanted to be able to accomplish ourselves, he will do for us. <laughs> we won't be able to. He will do it for us through his spirit in us. But it, but it says, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Why do we need to be encouraged to continue in the faith after such a liberating experience? What happens between point A and now where we're at now? We expect something to happen and somehow it's, it hasn't happened like we thought. I made a mistake. I, I, I made a boo-boo. I didn't manage. And uh, then I start thinking, maybe I wasn't converted after all. Huh? Maybe I wasn't converted after all. That's what happens to a lot of people. Like the preacher told me when I testified of my my confidence and my hope that I don't have to continue in sin. I don't. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But my brother said, "Why do I still see you behave like you do?" When I testified of that, I said, "I don't know. I don't know. But I believe the Word of God." We can't progress by believing our experience is everything that we expected it to be. It takes time. It takes breaking down. It takes a work of God to get us to, you could say, so to speak, sit down and listen to what God is saying. We want experience. We want more experience. We want to you know, <laughs> and so when Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, that's what everybody was still looking for, a kingdom of this world. That's all the children of Israel knew. So 
he said, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I don't have to be delivered to the Jews? Let's seek God for that kingdom that is within, where that transformation takes place, where he exposes one thing after another thing, year in and year out. It takes so much time because we're so slow to learn. We're so quick to go up in our feelings and think, now I've got it, you know. And then what happened? It's like this I shared uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe, about this man that was in, uh, was stuck on drugs, heroin. And he got free from it, but then I took him home. And he told his daughter, he gave his daughter some orders to do a certain thing. And she wasn't used to having a dad at home that she had built a love relationship with and gladly obeyed him. He gave orders to his daughter to do something, and she didn't move. And he got very angry, and his wife said, when I brought him home, his wife said, Dan, that's the man I got married to. And then she got angry and she said, Dan, what happened? So quick, you know. He first, when she saw him, he looked really good. Away from drugs, he was looking good like the man he got married to. Then he got angry and his fierce face became fierce looking. And something happened. Well, he didn't go, he didn't get very far. He got free from drugs. And a lot of people who are on drugs think if they get free from them, they're totally saved. No, God has a lot more to say to us after that. <laughs> That's the beginning. <laughs> now. And this is why it's written in Hebrews chapter 12 like it is. We can turn to that. I had a, I had a, a nice experience. You know, we had these people from Camden, New Jersey, with Pensacola, Wanda and her daughter, they came and wanted to be baptized, and we did that a couple weeks ago. They got baptized. And they were with us yesterday again. But... And earlier in the week, I went to DMV to get my title changed and registration for my pickup that I had bought. And here someone came up to me, hey, Dan! And I looked around, it was Mary Scott, who had been my the first one I witnessed to in town after God moved my heart to go out there and reach out to the people. And she said, Dan, I'm fully saved. I don't even smoke cigarettes anymore. I love the excitement. I love to hear that. But God has more to say to her than that. So, anyhow, he's in the process of delivering us from things. Uh, but for mainly delivering us from self. 
There's so much self in us. Okay, this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son. This is in verse 6. Verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 12. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. That doesn't sound very nice. Scourges. And you know what? When God scourges, it doesn't feel good. It hurts. Like, what is going on? But he says, if ye endure chastening, and it is difficult to endure that. It brings tears to our eyes. It causes us to weep over what's going on. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For whom, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? That's why it says, uh, he that loves his son chastens him betimes. We spank our children when they don't obey. We try to bring obedience to their life. That don't mean they're fully saved if they are obedient to us, but they are in a good path. They are in a good way, and then they, we can help them to go on when God began to work with them and, and convict them of sins that go beyond just what mom and dad said, their rule, their rules at home. And, and it goes on, and, but if he, with, if he be without chastisement whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather in be in protection <coughs> unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Isn't that beautiful? God has a, uh, an awesome goal in mind for us, to be partakers of his holiness. Do you want that? Is that your goal? You want to be like Jesus, to treat other people like Jesus treated them. That's what I want. And when I fall short, I feel a chastening inside of me, a rebuke, a scourging. It hurts. I'm disappointed at myself. I didn't measure up to what I had in mind. But you know what is that song that we sang about the mercy seat? We come to God for help. Lord, I haven't made it, but God, thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for keep working with me and chasing me because you have a goal in mind to be partakers of your holiness. That's, when, that's where a lot of people give up and settle for just forgiveness of sin. 
I'm forgiven, I'm on the way to heaven, and that's good enough. That's not good enough. That's not God's mind. God's mind is to transform us, to make us people who have a bright, shining light to show to the world. That's what I want. My wife, she, she, she bears with me, you know, and uh, she hears my goals when I pray to God. She sees my performance in the daily life, and she sees the difference. But thank God I have a wife that is patient, that understands me, that continues to bear with me. And I do that for her too, you know. We're both in the same boat. You know, one, one said, what is fellowship? It's two fellows on the same ship going the same direction. That's fellowship. <laughs> so, praise God, we can all be having fellowship in the same boat going the same direction. Toward God's holiness. So I leave it with that. look this morning in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9 try to talk loud enough Mark chapter 9 <clears throat> beginning in verse <clears throat> beginning in verse 42. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, <clears throat> it would be better. <clears throat> excuse me. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck, and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed, rather having rather than having two hands, to go into hellfire, hell into the fire that shall not be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Quoting from Isaiah 66. And he says that also for the foot and the eye, the same ending to it. Jesus talks about a place of great torment, a place of fire, where the fire does not, is not quenched and the worm does not die. An awful place to think of. And you think, well, why would God do something like this? God knows He's God. We're not God, we're men and women. We are not God. And so, He said this is what He's going to do. And that's why the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's not all there is to know about God is fearing God. But it is the beginning of wisdom. And Jesus says also that we should not fear Him who can kill the body, but Him who after He kills can cast into hell fire. This is a very real place. 
And God is calling us to the place of fearing Him. And this fear is what brings us to the cross for His mercy. <clears throat> we look in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. Luke 16, beginning in verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and ate sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate, desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Also the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between you and us there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, and nor can those from there pass to us. And he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let him hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither they will be persuaded the one rise from the dead. So, this is the only conversation that I can think of in the Bible where a man is actually speaking from hell. And it's a very sobering and, and troubling thing to hear somebody suffering this way. God has every intention of carrying out His judgment. And with this man... <clears throat> you see that there's no hope for him. His time is done and he's, there's no hope for him ever to escape this torment. And you hear about the severity of that torment. And that's why you hear such sober things in the Scriptures. We hear, therefore, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's why the gospel is preached to everybody. To everybody here who's not right with God, it's time to get right with Him. Because this is, this is real. This is a man talking, we hear this man talking from the dead. A voice from the dead who's gone to hell. And you see it's hopeless for him. Not even a, a dip of cool water on his tongue to cool him 
being tormented in flame. In another place it says, the smoke of their torment shall rise before God forever and ever. It is an eternal torment. An eternal suffering. That's why we persuade people. We reason with people. Be reconciled to God. Get right with God while you have a chance. And you see this man saying, okay, it's done for me. What about my five brothers? Send, the, send Lazarus the beggar back and convince them lest they come here too. Abraham says, no. They have, they have the Word of God. Let them listen to the Word of God. He says, well, if they, somebody come back from the dead. And this is, that's a sobering message <coughs> to us as parents and to all of us. This is the time of opportunity. When we pass from this life, we have no more opportunity to preach. Even if we're right with God, we have no more opportunity to reach out to those and to train our children and to counsel our children when they're older and to be a light to them. All the chances are in this life. You see the finality of what Abraham is saying here. You know? They're not going to believe if somebody comes back from the dead. They're not going to believe. Let them listen to the Word of God. This man only wished that he could have said this before he said this to his brothers and warned them. But the chances to warn are while we're still here in this life. Here we go to Matthew chapter 7. On the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7. Beginning in verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The same as the preaching of John the Baptist. Every, the axe is laid to the fruit of the trees. And every tree that does not bear good fruit should be cut down and cast into the fire. And he told them to bear fruits worthy of repentance. And as Dan was speaking on today, there is a change when someone is converted. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. There's a changed life, a changed heart. And there's evidence of that. There's evidence of the Holy Spirit working in a person's life and a person being led by the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Holy Spirit, these are the sons of God. Those that are led by the Holy Spirit. And those that are led by the Holy Spirit, 
bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is not, Jesus is not speaking a gospel of legalism. <clears throat> He's saying that if you're converted, that this is what's going to happen. When someone has the Holy Spirit in their heart, in their life, and they're being led by the Holy Spirit, they bear good fruit. It has that effect on their life. Jesus pointed out that man's problem that was defiling him was in his heart. He said the things that were coming out of it were the things that were defiling a person, not the things that were going into it. We talked about that the other week. People think, like Dan just said, if only they could get rid of the drugs and the alcohol or all this other stuff, these are the things that are defiling me. Wrong. Those are the symptoms of the defilement within. So the first thing that has to change is the defilement within. Jesus pointed straight to man's problem. It's right here in the heart. The spirit of the man. That is what needs to be changed. That's what needs to be converted. And when it is, when it's truly converted, when we humble ourselves and become like little children, that's when we're converted. When we receive the Spirit of God, and we're led by the, follow, the Spirit of God, and we follow His leading, and we bear good fruit. And so that's why it says in the different places we read about how that on the judgment day that God is going to give every, to every man according to His works. It's not because it's a salvation of works. It's because those that are truly converted, they're the good tree that bears good fruit. In Jesus' parable of the sower and the soil, He talks about the different soils. And He says the soil is the heart of man. The seed is the Word of God. He goes through the whole thing and, he, and then He explains it. <clears throat> and then He talks about all the different soils, the different hearts that don't bear fruit or bring no fruit to perfection. They never ripen except the good ground. And the good ground bears the good harvest of fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Why? Jesus said, out of a good and noble heart. Well, the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked. The heart of man is desperately wicked above all things. That's right. And that's why we all need to be converted. We all need to have that change of heart, to have the Holy Spirit come into our life to give us His nature, the divine nature, His nature, and to deliver us from our old nature. That's what being born again is all about, through faith in Christ. And then when He changes us, as His Lord, He tells us, follow Me. Come die with Me. Follow Me. You shall have the light of life. Verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
I have heard preachers say there's nothing you can do to be saved. And yet Jesus says, only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Dan made it very clear today that we can't do the will of the Father unless we have that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our life. That change, that separation, that empowerment. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power to walk with the Lord Himself. To walk with Him. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Your name, cast out demons in Your name, done many wonders in Your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. They're unrepentant. Jesus said, I never knew you. Well, they certainly knew about him. It says they were doing wonderful works in his name. It says they were casting out demons in his name. says they prophesied in His name. They knew about Jesus, but they didn't, but they continued in sin. They didn't repent. And here it is. Depart from me, you work lawlessness, rebellion. You who are not submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And this is, should be very sobering to the, the Christian that we should live what we believe. And that we should follow Jesus' voice as He said, I am the Good Shepherd. My sheep follow My voice and another voice they will not follow. And if we find ourselves on the wrong road following the wrong voice, we got to get out of there. We can't stay in that place. we got to get out we got to get back on the right path and follow the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another place, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord and don't do the things that I command you? If we find ourselves in that place today, today is the day to repent of that. Today is the day to get right. Not tomorrow, today. So they go on to and and they end up believing they were saved, believing they were Christians, and yet find out that Jesus never knew them, and He confronts them for their ungodly living and the evil fruit that they bore. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message that God sends to us to fear Him. We read this week about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. How they lied about how much they sold the house for. Because they wanted to keep some of it for themselves. They didn't have to lie like that. But they wanted the praise of men. Of saying, oh yeah, we're giving you everything we sold this house for. They're only giving part of it. Which is okay if they didn't lie about it. But they wanted the praise of men. 
And what happened? God struck them dead, both of them. And it says, both when when the when when Ananias uh, dropped over dead, and hours later when Sapphira, his wife, dropped dead, when they were both confronted at different times, that it said great fear fell upon them all, and great fear fell upon the church. Yeah. God wants us to fear Him in that respectful way that we don't play games with Him. And here they were lying for no, for no reason other than they wanted the praise of men. They wanted the honor of men. And as I said on the other night, at first it seemed, when I read that as a young Christian, I said, well, it, was a little, it seemed a little harsh, that kind of judgment for just, you know, I mean, here they were doing a good deed, right? And God knows the heart. God knows our heart. Verse 24, Therefore whoever hears these saying of mine and does them, is like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house. It did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. This is the message of how we should order our life. By the words of Jesus. Jesus said man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The things that He has commanded. Building our house on the rock. Whether it's turning the other cheek like He says here in, in this sermon, or all the other things He commands in this sermon, or anywhere else in the Word of God that we're commanded. That we have to have that childlike attitude. I've heard Christians say this, and as a young man I've said this too. You know, some of these things that Jesus I don't know if I can do them. If it comes to somebody, you know, doing something wrongful to me that's really nasty. But you come to learn that whatever God commands you to do, He also gives you the grace and the power and the ability to do. And so we just accept it in that childlike faith. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 3, it says, But fornication, nor uncleanness, and uncovetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, foolish talk, coarse jesting, which is like dirty jokes, suggestive jokes, which is not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater, who has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God 
comes down upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. We should not be deceived for walking in the flesh. It says the wrath of God is coming down upon those who are disobedient. If we are in Christ and we're walking in immorality and filthiness, and it's all around us, you know, it's, I mean, it's everywhere around us, all forms and kinds and sizes and shapes. Let's not make any excuses for, you know, walking in those things, any of it, even though it's all around us and it's hitting us in the face every day. In every way, in media and in the streets and wherever we go, there's immorality and lewdness everywhere. But let not any of us who are in Christ make excuses for walking that way or accepting that stuff in our life. Any of it. Because, as we read here, let no one deceive you with empty words or vain words. God's judgment, God's wrath comes down upon those who are disobedient. And as Dan talked about and read, His discipline will be upon us. And God knows what to do. And his, He can take out all the tools in the toolbox if He has to, to get our attention. So that we might be partakers of His holiness. <coughs> And then we go to Hebrews chapter 12, where Dan was in today. I don't know if you were going to read the whole passage. You read part of what I was going to read. Which was good. So we were on the same on the same wavelength there. God disciplines us so that we're partakers of his holiness. We'll continue on where Dan left off. We'll continue in verse 11. Now no discipline or chastening seems to be joyful at the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. In other words, when God gives you your whipping, you turn right, repent, turn back, so that that whipping won't turn into a dislocation, but it'll turn into a healing when we repent. God means what He says. We make a commitment to Him. He holds to, to be His children. And we become His children. He holds us to it. And sometimes it's not pretty. I think we could go around the room if we had the time and just everybody give testimonies of the different ways that we came to realize that God disciplined us in our life. Especially 
if we've been trained by it for a while, like some of us have been, we've been trained by His discipline. And you begin to understand and to appreciate His loving discipline for each of us so that we might be partakers of His holiness. Because, if it goes on to say in verse 14, pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The pursuit of holiness is the duty of every Christian without excuses. <clears throat> we read last week or the week before where it says, if we walk according to the flesh, we will perish. But if we, by the Holy Spirit, do put to death the deeds of the flesh, we will live. That's very clear language. It says we have an obligation, brothers. That is our personal obligation. It's not somebody else's obligation to do that for me. It's my obligation to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and put to death the deeds of the flesh, to mortify them, it says in the Old King James, to put them to death. Pursuing holiness is the duty of of every Christian. We're empowered to do it. Jesus leads us, the Holy Spirit leads us to do it. And so, it's the end of all excuses. The Bible says, walk in the new man that's created after God in righteousness and true holiness. That's the new nature. To walk in it. Follow that leading of the Holy Spirit. He's given us a new nature. That's what being born again is all about. It's not just about going to heaven. It's about the road we travel. Following the Lord on the the road of life. That straight and narrow path. Through being born of the Spirit, we're given the ability to walk on that road that Jesus talked about. Not those wide, winding roads, but that straight and narrow road and that narrow gate that leads to eternal life. We are empowered to do that. When we as Christians say stuff like, this is too much for me, God is giving me more than I can handle, this temptation is too strong, We could go on and on. Just making one excuse after another. And when that stuff comes out of our mouth or we're thinking it in our heart, we're revealing the deception that we're under. Because God's Word says differently. And so, we need to stop making excuses for carnal behavior and just say, I was wrong. And I repent. And Jesus cleansed me from those things. And I will walk in the power and the light of your Holy Spirit. I'm not going to continue on this road. And not be, if we don't have that hope, we're being moved away 
from the hope of the gospel message. It's time to come back. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, cleanses from some sin, from a lot of sin, no, from all sin. So if we can be cleansed from all sin, then be cleansed. Come to Jesus as He's invited in many places. Come to Me, all you who labor and heavily burdened. If any man is thirsty, come to Me and drink. The invitation is there for each of us. Pursue peace with all men in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully as anyone falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing off cause trouble, and by this many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or godless person like Esau, who for one morsel of food was sold his birthright, you know that afterward he wanted to inherit the blessing he was rejected for he found no place for repentance though he sought it diligently with tears. It brings us back to the, the man, the rich man in hell. It's too late. It's too late. It was too late for him to repent no matter how much he cried. It says there will be weeping and grinding of teeth on the day of judgment to those who are condemned. Because it didn't have to be that way for them. They didn't have to perish. But they hardened their heart to the voice of God. And they perished. There are people on Judgment Day they want to inherit the, ble- the blessing of eternal life. Right. It was the warning of Esau. He couldn't receive the blessing because he carelessly gave it away for temporary gratification. Things of this life. talks about a root of bitterness springing up. Springing up from where? From within, from within the heart. And causing defilement. Jesus tells us to love everyone. To love our enemies. To do good to those who do evil to us. It's not natural for us to do that. But again, the Bible says we received a spirit of love. But if we don't follow that spirit of love, it's going to poison us what people do to us that are wrong. Defilement. So finally, it says also in Hebrews, it is appointed for man once to die and after that the judgment. death is really what this life is all about. And that might be a strange thing to, to, to think about, but it really is. Because everything that goes on in this life 
we should be conscious of that day we leave this life. Because we're going to come face to face before the Lord. And the question is, do we know Him? Are we being led by His Spirit? Has our heart been converted? Has the Spirit of God changed us on the inside? Are we a new creation in Christ? Are we walking in newness of life? And if we can say yes to that, can we also say, I see the evidence of it in my life. So let's be challenged by these things. And if any of you brothers want to comment on that, we have a few minutes. Anything else they want to, do you men want to say?